What's up, y'all? You are listening to the Angel Face Magic Hour, your favorite podcast for all things magical, mystical, and so much more. I am your host. I'm Grace Lennon. I'm an intuitive and an energy healer. And welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited about this week's episode. We're speaking with Dana Whitby. This is a guest conversation and we recorded this a few weeks ago. So I'm really excited to have a listen back and share this conversation with you all. So Dana is a tarot oracle reader. She does classes, um, meditation classes. She does energy healing. She also practices Holy Fire Reiki as, as do I. And she is the host of her own podcast called the Soul Rising Podcast. She is an awesome woman and I'm really excited to share her voice with you all. Um, Dana is like wise, soothing, uh, comforting, like her energy is really calming, um, but not sleepy. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, I really like Dana. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. This was really fun for me because um, we've been friends on the internet for a while. So it was nice to be able to like talk, um, you know, a little bit in more detail and in more length. Um, so thank you, Dana, for coming on the podcast. And I'm excited to share the conversation with you all. Um, just a few heads up before we get into the main episode. Uh, da, 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 da. Next Wednesday, which is August 3rd, I believe, I am hosting a group energy healing workshop that is on Zoom. As always, I will put the link in the show notes. So if you want to join me live for some energy healing, um, the link will be there. And this is also a free event. Donations are welcome but um, and encouraged, but not mandatory. I'm also going to be doing a Reiki training class coming up next month. So if you guys are not on my mailing list, I suggest getting on the mailing list because then you'll know about all the upcoming classes and workshops and whatnot. And I want to still share them on the podcast, but I don't want to take as much time sharing what I have going on because um, I know that can be boring to people. So sorry about it. Um, anyway, love you. I'll see you in the main conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Angel Face Magic Hour. Today, we have a special guest on the podcast. We're here with Dana Whitby. And I'm so excited about this episode. I asked her to do this a couple weeks ago, and I'm excited we're finally chatting and connecting. Dana has her own podcast. Is it Soul Rising or The Soul Rising? The Soul Rising. The Soul Rising. So y'all should definitely check that out. And I'm going to put all her information in the show notes. But let's just have you introduce yourself. All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, Grace, for having me. This is truly an honor and a privilege. Um, My name is Dana Whitby. Uh, The professional stuff, I am, my background is actually in traditional mental health. So I have a master's degree in counseling. 
I worked with children and families for several years in middle schools before staying home with my family. And then I had this huge spiritual awakening when I became a mom. And it was like kind of moving into this new portal of motherhood and leaving maidenhood behind really sparked this desire to understand myself better, to understand kind of why I'm here, what I'm doing, and to heal some of those wounds of my parents. So some generational stuff. I didn't really even fully grasp all of that, but I just knew I wanted to to learn, you know? Uh, So I started by reading this book called Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton, and it's about Uh, what happens after we die and what happens kind of in this other realm between our different lives. And I just learned a lot about the fact that I had picked a lot of what I was experiencing and the trauma that I had gone through in my pre-life planning. And so it just really put me on this trajectory to want to learn more. I became trained in regression therapy um, in 2016, 2017. And I am also a trained meditation teacher. I'm also a Holy Fire Reiki master. And I've been using Oracle and tarot cards since 1999, pretty regularly. So I've always kind of been a spiritual person. I was a spiritual child. It's just that it was, you know, my mid to late twenties around my Saturn return (laughs) that I really got pushed into all of this. And so as a stay at home mom, I was like, how can I get some of this information out to people? How can I share what I have learned and to show that it's possible to go on this healing journey while you're home with your kids? And so I decided to start the soul rising podcast. And it was to share about the training that I had had coupled with my mainstream mental health background and um, just wanting to highlight different leaders kind of in the spiritual community and to show how to use Oracle and tarot cards for healing on a regular basis. So that's kind of the long and the short of it. Um, I've been married for 12 years. We've been together for 15. We live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I have two kids. Um, One is nine and a half and one is almost six. So that's kind of the, uh, the overview of me. <laughs> I love it. I, that's what I was curious where you're located. Yeah. I'm in did you move recently? I did. In the last we, year or something? Yes. We've actually moved twice in the last year. So when the whole huge housing thing kind of boomed, we sold our house that I had hated for six years. We lived in that house for six years, moved into an apartment we were going to build And then um, building just didn't work out. And we have ended up back in the same neighborhood that we were in before, but a couple streets over. (laughs) That's so interesting. Yeah, it is. We're clearly meant to be here, which is cool with us. So yeah. Where did you grow up? I have actually grown up all over the place. Um, I was born in Phoenix, uh, spent the majority of my childhood in Seattle, Washington, And then my parents divorced and we moved to Pennsylvania. I moved with my mom to Pennsylvania, visited my dad in Phoenix in the summer, which was brutal heat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it did suck. Uh, And then um, I have had, I've lived in the South um, in both the Carolinas ever since. So I've been here for like 18 years in the South. How did you meet your husband? On MySpace? <laughs> no, really? Kind of, well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, I got into Western Carolina University, which is in the mountains in Asheville, North Carolina. And um, 
I didn't know anyone who went there. And so I texted my roommate from college who's from North Carolina. And I was like, do you know anyone who went to Western? Like I have literally never been there. I don't know where to live. And she was like, yeah, send a message to my friend, John Whitby on MySpace. So I literally did that. And we were DMing on MySpace. Uh, and then he was like, can I call you? And we've just been talking ever since. So it's not like I met him on MySpace, but that's where we connected. So we like yeah. to tell people that. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Amazing. Well, one of my questions I was curious about is like your first kind of time using the Oracle cards. You said you started when you were young, like a teen kid. Yeah. You want to share a little story about that? Yeah, how sure. you found them? Absolutely. So what's funny is my aunt, so my mom's sister, she worked for Hay House. Hay House is like one of the the publications. Yes. Spiritual um, publishing companies. And so she worked there. She was Louise Hay, who was the founder of Hay House. She was her assistant for a number of years in the nineties. And so my aunt would send me some of their PR stuff, like some affirmation decks and some angel Oracle cards and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I was 16 in in the late nineties and I was like, whatever, you know, but I, I did kind of look at them and check them out. And I kind of started realizing that I love them. So I went to Borders bookstore, which is no longer in existence. And I found their spiritual section, which was like, you know, back then, like one shelf in like the back dark corner or something, you know, but they did have some Oracle decks. And so I purchased my own and I just was floored at like the fact that I could shuffle these random cards and pull one out. And it would like speak to my soul. And I was just totally like hooked from the start. It was just like, there's this validation in front of my face. Like I don't have to go to someone else or um, I just didn't have to do anything. It was like, it was right there, this validation and I could see it and I could read the text. And it was like, this applies to my life so perfectly. And so I just probably for about 16, 15 years, I just use them as comfort. Like I would come to them, not regularly. It's not like I pulled them every single day. You know, when you're a teenager or in your twenties, you're, you're, you're busy with your own life and your friendships and stuff. But when hard things would come up, I would always turn to them and just seeking some comfort, seeking some validation. And I, I think that's still what they provide today, except that now that I have more of a spiritual awareness, I can take it even deeper in my understanding of what they're trying to say. But I just think they're a beautiful method of having some something in front of you. You know, a lot of times people are skeptical and they want to, you know, criticize or pick apart messages that someone channels. And it's like, you can't really deny the card in front of you that says something that's so shockingly true. So I, I just love that about them, that they also provide like some proof, quote unquote. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's my history with them. Mm-hmm. So time. we've talked a little bit on my podcast before about Oracle decks, but I'd love for you to just kind of briefly explain like what the difference between a tarot card and an Oracle card. Yeah, sure. So tarot has a set structure. So there's always going to be 78 cards in a tarot deck. It is always going to be divided into two parts, the major arcana and the minor arcana. The major arcana represents major meaning greater and arcana meaning mysteries. So these are the greater mysteries of our lives. These are our soul lessons. These are the things that we came to earth to 
to learn and grow and evolve around. Then you have the minor arcana, which is um, set up kind of like a playing deck, like most people would recognize. So, you know, the minor arcana are the, the lesser mysteries of our lives, kind of the day-to-day -day things that we go through. And those are the four suits, the swords, cups, pentacles, and wands. So again, similar to a playing deck. So theoretically, if you learn those tarot cards, you could pick up any tarot deck and be able to read it, regardless of its theme or it's uh, the spin that a, a person takes on it, the author or illustrator. Oracle decks are much more freeform. They can be any amount of cards. There's no rules. There's no structure. It's kind of a way to bring in maybe some different themes that don't lend themselves well to the tarot kind of structure and rigidity. Um, so yeah, Oracle cards can really be anything. And so I love them both just for different purposes. You know, you know what you're getting when you go to a tarot, you know what to expect. Sometimes the messages in tarot can be a little harsher. <laughs> this is, you know, stereotypically, but sometimes oracles can be a little bit more loving. So it's kind of like, what do you need? Do you need the tough love or do you need the hug? You know? Um, and so that's, that's really kind of the difference between them. Amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah. So you're, you have a class, it came out pretty recently about reading the cards. Yes. You want to share with us a little bit about like what inspired you to create this class? Absolutely. So the class is called You Are the Oracle, and it is teaching you that you have the ability to connect to spirit through cards and you can choose either tarot or oracle or both i teach about both so i go through all 78 tarot cards and i explain oh, cool. the meanings and a, a method for how to memorize them how to work with them but i also talk about how to use oracle cards that are more free flowing and free form um, i also go into how to do a reading i have a holy fire reiki activation in there to help ignite um, your connection to spirit how to use them for healing, how to trust your intuition. Um, and then I kind of go into some myths and stuff about like, well, isn't tarot dangerous and isn't it connecting with the devil? And, you know, what about reversals? Like, do I read a card right side up or upside down? So I kind of dive into some of those things to answer questions. And then I have a whole workbook in there as well with different spreads and little cheat sheets for the tarot, like one page of all of the tarot meanings that you can use as you're learning and um, reflection questions and that sort of thing. So it's really a, a course about how to connect with with decks in general and how to use them as a divination method. And then I also have a Facebook group that goes along with it so that you can connect to a community. So it's not just like, all right, good luck. <laughs> you know, you can come to the community and say, Hey, I pulled these cards. I really don't understand them. Or I don't get what this, how this answers my question that I asked the deck, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's meant to be a supportive community. And I really wanted to do this because I, I just love them so much. And I want to spread the, awareness of how to use them because I think people are intimidated by them when it's just so simple you just literally shuffle and pull you know but there is there's more that goes into it so well yeah with the group too like maybe the students can practice on each other do readings and stuff yeah exactly that's what it's meant for right how would you like how would you suggest someone formulates a question like to ask a tarot deck or an oracle deck? You know, that's kind of a tricky thing because it's funny. Sometimes I find that I feel like I've created a really great, great question to ask. And 
what comes through is always going to be in your highest and greatest good, you know? Um, so I just actually did a reading for someone the other day who was kind of asking about infertility and it was like, well, should I go the route of IVF or should I go the route of just waiting to see if I become pregnant myself? That was kind of the question. And like what came through were her blocks and her barriers that are holding her back energetically. So I think more than anything, more than, more than formulating like a really great question, it's more about your intention in coming and just asking to be seen and asking to be witnessed and asking to be given whatever is in your highest and greatest good around this situation. Um, you can certainly ask a question. I, I think that's great. I think sometimes a yes or no question can be a little challenging only because like it doesn't leave open and open-endedness for a response from the cards, you know, because I think we have free will at play here too. So sometimes the cards are letting you know, like there's choices to be made here. One thing that I think is really great is like, if you have two choices to make, you can ask what the outcome would be of this choice. So what are the energetics or the outcome around I'll just use my client, for example, the IVF route. Like if I were to go IVF, what would the energetics be? Pull a card for that and then say, okay, well, if I were to just go the natural route and see if I get pregnant on my own, what are the energetics or the outcome of that? And then you can kind of see the two that helps you make the decision. It's not that like cards are predicting our future. It just doesn't work that way. We have free will. So it's more that they're just helping us kind of understand what could be down the line if we made this choice or that choice. And what's in our highest and greatest good to know about a situation. So I don't know if I answered your question fully. <laughs> no, it's perfect. That okay, That's good. how I feel too. I feel that um, with cards or any reading in general, yeah. I sometimes think like a should or should I not question is not going to be the most productive way to get there. It can yeah. sometimes be confusing. So I really like that of like, okay, we can look down this path or this door and see what would be more aligned with what you're trying to move towards. But oftentimes the cars will tell us, yeah, what we need to know or see mm -hmm. before we make the decision rather than like, this is how we should do it. Um, so I think sometimes people get, people want it to be this yes or no type of thing. And that's just not always the way that cards work. I've seen people like assign meanings to cards. They're like, okay, if I pull the magician, it means yes. And if I pull this, it means no. And I think that could work. But I think it's also just sometimes we want to know more than we should in some moment. Yeah. I think we also want to be told, you know, like I, yeah. I think in our society and our culture, we're taught like to listen to authority and to do what you're told and that sort of thing. And so I think that translates into kind of our spiritual journey of just wanting someone to tell us what to do. These decisions can be so hard and so challenging. And it's like, it would just be easier if someone else told me this is the path, but that's just not the way that this journey called being a human works. Like it's, it's our it's our own free will. And the thing that I firmly believe is that there are anchor points along our path that we cannot avoid. So it's almost like it doesn't matter which choice you make. You're still going to get to the end result. You're just choosing the path that's going to get you there. So we have to have the faith that there are certain things that are just meant for us. And we just got to kind of ride it out until we get there and make our, the best choice that we can. 
Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes, yeah, when we try to avoid things, it will show up in a yeah. different way. Totally. <laughs> sometimes it's <laughs> Can't annoying. avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> Do yeah, you yeah. use the cards ever with your kids? Uh-huh. Are they into it? Yes. I use them with my kids all the time. So my oldest is nine and a half and he's really into baseball. So I bought him um, <laughs> a deck called the baseball of tarot and he oh, I loves love it. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, and then my daughter, who's almost six, I've got a couple different decks for her, mostly because decks are kind of like, it's rare to find like the manly tarot or, you know, so I had to get that one for him, but my daughter's got like a fairy deck and, you know, an angel deck and animal spirit. My son likes the animal one too, but yeah, like totally. Um, like for example, before my son's baseball game that he was all stressed out about, I have mala beads for him and we sit down and we meditate and he picks a little mantra for himself. And he says the mantra for each bead on the mala necklace, and then we'll pull a tarot card and see what comes up and that'll help him kind of focus his energy. So that's yeah, so I use cool. this up with my kids that. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> what about yeah. your husband? Does he do it ever? He will do it if I like pull him in. He really loves Reiki. Um, he really loves cupping. So like he likes some alternative healing things. He'll do the cards, you know. Um, he never really initiates it though. I have to bring it to him, which is fine. That's where he's at, you know. <laughs> so it's all good, but he'll participate, especially if the kids are. He'll join in. So you practice Reiki on him sometimes? I do. Yeah. When he's having pain, you know, I will use Reiki on him. Mm -hmm. He enjoys That's it. Awesome. It's good to yeah. have someone like that in the house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I need to train my children so they can give me Reiki. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in a few years you can ignite them. <laughs> yeah. Good idea. That's awesome. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about the regression stuff. What? Sure. What was the first time you ever, did you receive a regression before you decided to study it? Yeah. So the first time I had a regression was, um, so I should back up first. I went to a medium and she was like, you have spiritual abilities that you are not tapping into or utilizing at all. And I was like, well, what, what are they? <laughs> and I just felt like, you know, and she was like, well, you'll figure it out. And I'm like, great. You know? So I decided that a regression, I just felt in my gut, I was like a regression would be a really good thing for me to do. And I went online and I just searched like regression therapists in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the first website that popped up, I clicked on it and I saw the picture of the girl. And I was like, that's her. This is who I'm supposed to work with. I just knew, I felt like I knew her. I felt like I recognized her, even though I hadn't met her before. And so I called her up and I was like, I'd like to schedule a session. And I told her, like, I've been told that I have spiritual abilities and I'm not tapping into, and I want to, you know, let go of any barriers that are holding me back. And she was like, I don't really do that kind of work. Like we just like straight up go to a past life. Like that's it. And I was like, I, I really think you're my person. And she was like, all right. So like, she wasn't she wasn't so sure. Yeah. And so I showed up at her office and I, this was my first regression experience. I went back to a lifetime where I was a follower of Jesus. I was a Jewish priest mm. or whatever word you would use. I don't know what, you know, what it would have been called back then, but I was pretty high up in the Jewish religion in Jerusalem. And I got to a point where I felt like my religion wasn't meeting my spiritual needs, or it wasn't quite right. 
And I decided to kill myself. I decided to just go out into the desert and just die because I just want to go back to my maker. I didn't like these religious rules that were, you know, governing the land. And as I was walking through the desert, I saw an angel that pointed, told me to turn around. I turned around and I saw Jesus teaching to a group of people. And what I noticed was that the children were sitting in the front, the women were behind the children, and then the men were standing up in the back of the crowd. And because I was in the mind of this man in this lifetime, I knew that that was unusual. The men would normally be in the front of a crowd learning and the women and children could be in the back and hear what you can hear. And so I was struck by how odd this was socially. And I went over to it and I was kind of standing in the back with the other men and Jesus pulled me up to sit next to him. And so I just sat and he didn't have me do anything. He just had me sit down next to him. So I sat there and he like put his hands out over the crowd and gave them Reiki, which is what I believe he was doing. And then afterwards, when everyone started to disperse, he stood up and he hugged me and I was sobbing in the regression, like crying. And, um, after that, I started witnessing the crucifixion and we kind of moved on through that because it wasn't really very helpful for me. Um, and then I saw my death scene where I was speaking to a group of people and someone came around a corner and threw stones at me and I died. Now here's the thing. People, I've told people this story before and they're like, oh, wow. So you are a follower of Jesus. You are so high up. I don't know for sure that that was actually me, but I was tapping into our collective consciousness. I was tapping in to the memory bank of all the stories that have ever existed because that's what I needed to know at that time. I needed to know that it was okay not to adhere to religious rules and dogma and that it was okay to embrace who Jesus was as a person, not as the religious dogma that we put on him now in this society. And I needed to know who he was as a person. And the therapist was like, she almost like fell over. Cause I think she needed it just as much as I did. Um, we both come from religious backgrounds. Her father was actually a priest and we are now like best friends. Like we are, <laughs> it's been years and we are really, really good friends. Um, but it, it, it's, it's not so much that like that was me and it wasn't you. It's that we are all, we can all tap into these memories. So when you do a regression, who knows if that actually was your soul and it doesn't matter because you're literally getting, you're seeing exactly what you need to see. So that was my first regression experience. And obviously it was a really powerful one. And then, um, a different friend of mine approached me several years later and she was like, would you want to get trained to be a regression therapist? And I was like, nope, not, no, thanks. <laughs> like not really interested. I enjoyed the experience. I don't really want to like do this for work. Um, but she kind of wore me down over time. And so we both ended up going and getting trained by Peter Woodbury, who is an incredible regression therapist out of Virginia beach. Um, he used to work for the Edgar Casey ARE. He doesn't anymore, but he does his own thing. And so if anyone out there is interested in being trained in regression, he's, he's the most incredible. I can't recommend him enough, but, um, yeah, that's kind of my journey to, to having my own experience and then getting trained. And then of course, during my regression training, I had to be regressed multiple, multiple times, uh, as part of my training. And then I had to regress my friend as well. So we, we worked in tandem. So I've seen quite a few of my past lives, or at least, like I said, um, past lives that I needed to witness, even if they weren't mine. Um, but yeah, they've helped me really 
understand my soul on a much deeper level. So amazing. That's so interesting. I do really think that I think sometimes it's like a fragment of us. Like it might not be like we literally experience that, but like that aspect of our consciousness is affecting us. Yes. And so we have to heal it in some way. This is one way we can do it just by being able to see and feel the emotions of like what was happening in that moment and it can be intense so (laughs) yeah like it's good to find someone that is able to hold that energy for you and it's good that you found this woman yeah yeah I love her a lot um but yeah it's very interesting to me that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah was there any other lives that really stood out to you that were like interesting I mean, um, I think it's all interesting. I've taken people and in they're into the past and they're like a fisherman and they're like, that was boring. But I'm like, but there's still so much stuff in there that's important for us to see. Yeah. Even if yeah. we're not like Cleopatra or whatever. But totally. I think we all are, you know, Jesus, all these other archetypes. I think we all are connected to them in some way. Totally. And I think we all have a huge range of what we've been in a past life. I don't think it's crazy to believe that you were some form of famous person in the past, because I think if if we think about reincarnation from like an evolutionary standpoint, we have to experience all these different cultures, all these different time periods, all these different situations. Being famous is a is a unique situation that I think all of us have to experience during one lifetime or another. Like there's, there's wounds and there's, there's things we have to deal with being in the public eye. And so I, I do think all of us have been famous at some point or, or will be in another life um, coming up. But yeah, I've had lots of different lives. Like, like you said, I've had a boring one, a real boring one in Scotland that I saw. And I was like, <laughs> what, what is this? I was like a man, just like chopping my wood, like living a simple life. And I came out of it and I was like, what was that about? And my regression therapist, she was like, well, like not every life is like huge. And like, you need to know that you had some simple lives where you just had simple pleasures, where you just enjoyed living. Like, you know, not every life or every moment that we need to see is so intense. Um, Sometimes we need to remember too, that there are lifetimes where we experience peace or joy or like stillness, because oftentimes we're searching out for those really traumatizing mm-hmm. things because we think, okay, that can help me heal now but it's also important to see the joy and that's what can help us heal to be like, Oh yeah. Like I just liked chopping my wood, (laughs) sitting and eating my stew. And I was content and not just searching and searching forever. Yeah. Just as much as that trauma makes us who we are, those beautiful moments make us who we are too. So seeing those things help to give a little glimmer of our soul as well, you know? Um, Yeah. So there let's see, what was another one? Um, in ancient Greece, I was like a little apprentice of an Oracle woman. So I just kind of sat around and watched her grind up her stuff. Um, you know, answer people's questions about why their goats are dying, you know, and like, she knew all the answers and that kind of thing. Um, 
yeah, they're, yeah, the one in Scotland, um, I've had them in, uh, like the antebellum South. And actually that one helped to explain some relationships in this lifetime. Like this sounds so weird to even say, but you know, it's like not my weird on this podcast. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I know. We talk about this stuff all the time. But like my dad in this lifetime was my husband in that lifetime. And the way he treated me explains some of the karmic stuff that we have going on in this lifetime. It just helped me understand like the layers of our soul relationships. So yeah, I've seen quite a few lifetimes and they have definitely varied in significance <laughs> for sure. Does your family like what do they think about this kind of work? Are they, you said you were raised religious. Are they kind of skeptical about it? Uh, No, it's kind of like we all evolved as a family. Um, So like growing up, we went to church and stuff and it was like, you go every week. Um, I, I mean, I would say I'm definitely the most far, far out there of all of us, but you know, like my mom is super into this stuff. My brother is kind of coming into it. Um, you know, my husband is, is open. He's not like actively seeking it himself, but he's open. I don't feel like there's anyone in my family who is like, you're a weirdo, you're crazy. You know, there, there are some family members who maybe don't understand, but they're not, they're not challenging me or unsupportive. Um, and then of course my, you know, my aunt worked for Hay House. So she's been into this spiritual stuff forever. So yeah, I, I feel like I have a good, a really good support system for sure. That's so important because I think for a lot of people, it's viewed as like, well, evil from (laughs) some people, but also, yeah, like delusional, like, oh, past lives are not real or, or I don't believe in that. But I think the more that we do the healing work for ourselves, yeah, we can see how that affects everyone. So I'm sure experiencing that lifetime where you're like, okay, I'm witnessing myself through pain and through these experiences then it can really heal like what's going on right now and that affects all of us which is always interesting to see totally it's all connected (laughs) yeah yeah um so you were saying before we started recording you're saying as far as the regression goes if people would want to do a regression it's something they could reach out to you but it's not like, um, you can't just book it on your website. Yeah. So I do offer regressions. Um, I just like to either receive referrals from clients. I've already done a regression with who refer someone, or I like to just kind of have a conversation with the person I'm going to regress first, rather than just having it be offered on my, on my site only because it really is such an intense experience. Um, we don't know what's going to come up during that session, you know, and some people don't always go to past lives. Like I, I tend to call it just regression because we might go back to the time before you were born. When you were a soul, you might meet your spirit guides. You might go to another planet. Um, some really wild stuff can happen in regression. (laughs) So like when you're dealing with the subconscious and with the divine, you don't know what's going to come up. So I just really like for people who want a regression to be regular meditators because we use the third eye so much and we really get into a place of stillness and quiet. Um, and you have to be able to trust yourself. Like I'm not going to judge you, but the, the challenge of regression is, is saying what you're experiencing because sometimes you don't want to seem crazy to the person who's, you know, your therapist, 
um, or you don't want to seem crazy to yourself. And it's really about just saying what's happening and what you're experiencing and trusting it. My third eye, the way that I work is I almost see what you are experiencing. It's like, I am this guide that's like standing in the back. And so when you're in a regressed state, you are not asleep. You are talking to me. A lot of people don't always realize that. Like this is, this is not me channeling information to you. This is you experiencing it yourself. And I record the session. I can see it in my third eye. So I'm not, I don't need you to tell me what's going on for my sake. I know what's happening. I can hold the space for you, but I want people to speak and share about what they're experiencing while they're in that moment for themselves. Because like I said, I record it and we're in the subconscious. So we're almost in like this dreamlike state. So, you know, when you dream at night, you wake up and it's like, you remember a lot of the dream, but parts of it are fuzzy. That's why it's really important during a regression to, to talk and to share about what you're seeing and experiencing to help kind of clear some of that up once you're out of the session. And when you want to go back and revisit it to remember what happened, Um, so yeah, you're just in a very relaxed state, but you can't be so relaxed that you fall asleep. (laughs) We want to keep you like in a place where you're still conscious and you, you can, um, be aware of what's going on. So do you kind of like prompt them through it? You're like, okay, then you do this and you do that. And then they answer you. Yeah. So what happens is we start by, um, just simply like some deep breathing, some body relaxation. Um, and then I guide you kind of to a place, you know what I mean? A a visual. And I do some, um, some exercises or I say certain things. I have a script that I follow because the, the certain cadence of these words and the things that I say kind of help unlock that third eye and that subconscious allow it to open up. And then we get to a certain point in the script where I'm like, okay, you know, this is, I I don't say this, but you know, it's where the person kind of takes over. Like I'll, I'll ask them some questions about what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling. And eventually it's kind of like, it it starts taking off and the person usually gets more comfortable and, and they, it just all kind of starts to flow and it is a conversation. So, you know, I will affirm for you, like, if you're saying, I I see a blue planet, I'll be like, yes. (laughs) You're exactly right. You know, so there's some affirmation that's going on through it. And then at the end, um, we kind of like go backwards. So I will pull you back out. I've got a sequence of things that I say to kind of close that down and to get you back grounded into your body. And then afterwards we process it. And that's just part of my mental health background. I can't just let you have a session and see all kinds of crazy stuff and then be like, all right, have a great day. So, you know, we'll sit and talk about it. We'll kind of share our experience as I can say, well, I, you know, I saw that happening. I saw it this way. Um, and we'll kind of compare notes, so to speak, and just give you time to, to talk about what you just saw. So it's, it's a long session. It's like an hour and a half, um, you know, from start to finish. So do you do them online or in person? Yeah, I do them over Zoom. As long as I can see the person and make sure they're okay, then we're good. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Do you feel like with your background, do you feel like there's kind of a stigma for this kind of therapy? Do you think in the mental health world, people think it's kind of (laughs) fake? Yes and no. Um, I will say that during my master's uh, training, my master's program, we were taught mindfulness. We were taught meditation. 
so I feel like they dip their toe into it. And I think it's, it's becoming um, more well-known in the mainstream to at least, at least the mindfulness and the meditation aspect of it. I would say some of the channeling and that sort of thing could be pretty far out there. There's a stigma around that, but I, I do think people believe in the power of the subconscious. That's been, I mean, it's been proven in studies and science, yeah. science proves, you know, how powerful our minds are. So I do think that people recognize that, but I, I can't say that the stigma is totally gone. You know, I wish, I wish more therapy would beyond just talk therapy. I think talk therapy is really important. And that's really what I did. That's really what mainstream counseling is, is just kind of talking. But I think when you can get down into the layers of the subconscious and you can unlock some of this stuff, that's where you're really getting the gold and being able to heal and grow. I think so too. I think some, it depends on the trauma or the pain, but I think sometimes it's like being able to move through or move the energy like is so helpful rather than just reprocessing it over and over again. (laughs) Um, But I'm just curious because I feel like I do see some people viewing it as, yeah, like impression, like putting an impression in the um, client's mind, like making them kind of see something through our, through the prompting, which I don't really feel like that is maybe with certain therapists, but I feel like what you're doing is really just allowing them to have the experience. So you're not like, not like a visualization where you're explaining them what to see and what to feel like they're doing it on their own. Exactly. And I think a a really good therapist just simply asks what you're experiencing. They're not going to tell you like, oh, well, do you see a blue orb off in the distance? Or do you see, you know, like they're not going to implant, like you said, those, those things are going to allow what you're experiencing to be what you're experiencing and simply support and hold space for you. So I do think unless you're doing like a guided meditation, for example, or unless you're doing hypnosis where you do want certain things kind of implanted into your subconscious. Otherwise, I think it's kind of a red flag if they're, if they're leading you a little bit too much, you know, it should be your own experience. Yeah. I did a regression with this woman and it was really helpful. Um, but it was more focused on connecting with like spirit guides Uh rather than a past life. But it was super interesting to me because for me, like most of my psychic stuff comes through clear audience or like feeling. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, so kind of tr- a trip to get so much of a visual and be able to really describe the images I was seeing. And then, yeah, listening back to, it, I was like, I can feel it and see it again. So like, I think, yeah, it's so important to have the clients be able to have that recording so they can go back because a lot of stuff, like you said, it's like a dream. Like you don't, you can't hold on to all that information. Exactly. Um, But it was very interesting. One of my, one of my um, spirit guides is a dragon. Oh, that was really cool. That's so funny because I've done a regression for someone too, where she met a guide that was a dragon. So that's really neat. Yeah. yeah, one of them was like this dragon and it it was like it brought healing to me and it like moved through my body like a snake. Wow. And it was like the 
it was kind of an intense sensation, like not painful, but like intense. Yeah. And then the, another one was like this weird blue alien creature thing, <laughs> but it was like really cool. Cause kind of what I was expecting it to be was to be like angels or something like that. I've already connected with a lot. And then mm-hmm. since then, it's really helped me build up like the ability to see and feel those guides. So I think, like you said, you could do so much with aggression. It doesn't have to be only a past life, but I think that's kind of the most common one that people will talk about. Definitely. It's the most well-known for sure. But or like it- hypnosis to like stop smoking. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Which has merit. It does, you know, it's a good thing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have a little bit more time. I'd love to just have you, well, one, I want to have you pull a card for us at the end, but I'd love to just have you share like, so we said you, you offer these regressions, but you also offer readings. So maybe you could just share with us like what those look like. And if people want to connect with you, how to find you and maybe just a little bit about your podcast too. Okay, sure. Yeah. Just little snippets. Little snippets. Yeah. So I do offer readings. Um, They are 30 minutes and they are recorded. And a lot of people have asked me like, why don't you do in-person readings on Zoom? And the thing is that I connect to spirit and I don't like to break that flow. I find that I can connect in my own space and I can just roll with your messages and you get a ton out of this 30 minute reading. Whereas if we're in person, we might stop. We might talk about a certain card that comes up and what the meaning of that is, or or the client might want to share a story connected to it. And I love hearing those stories, but I just want to roll and get you your information. And then afterwards, I like to email back and forth and process with clients or, or have a call to discuss it. But, um, I just really like to be in my flow and I just find that that's how I channel the best. So you can ask up to three questions. If you have questions about things in your life, like, you know, again, you know, should I take this job? Should I divorce my husband? Should I, whatever, you know, those kinds, you can ask the light questions. questions. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you can do that. But I also have clients that just want me to open up and just pull cards and just give the messages that are in their highest and greatest good right now. So I do both. Um, And then I will email the recording to you and a photograph of the cards. And I usually use a mix of tarot and Oracle in them. I like to start off with tarot just to get to the meat of it. And then sometimes I'll pull Oracle cards at the end to kind of underline those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I offer those. Those are probably my favorite thing to do. I love regression work. I really do. But my favorite thing is, is doing readings for people. I really just, I think you can make so much progress and, and, in getting these messages that are right now relevant for what you need to know. Um, so yeah, you can find all of that and information on my website, which is Dana And if you click on offerings, you can see the things that I offer. You can also go to my website to see the page about my podcast, the soul rising podcast. So I started that in November of 2018. So we're coming up on four years in November. It'll be four years and it really has shifted over time. So I started off by doing a lot of interviews. There is a huge catalog of couple, like hundred or so more episodes with guests, um, with people who are alternative healing 
um, practitioners, thought leaders, authors, artists, that sort of thing. Um, and then I, to be honest, I just, this past January, I got a little burnt out and I decided that I just wanted to amplify my own voice. And so now all I do are solo episodes. So at the beginning of the month, I do a energy forecast, like for example, for the month of July, what to kind of expect energetically. And I pull three tarot cards and three Oracle cards. And then I'm actually debuting debuting a brand new type of episode that's going to come out every sun season. So at the beginning of the sun season, so the first one will be for Leo sun season. I think it's the 20th or 21st of July. Um, I pull one card per astrological sign to give you kind of a forecast for that sun season. So if you know your sun, moon, and rising signs, you'll have three cards that will also help to guide you through that sun season. So I I'm starting that. that now too. So those are the kinds of episodes. I feel like I that's now. very old school. I love that. Like, I love it. It is. Like old I feel like people <laughs> don't do that as much anymore. At least mm-hmm. what I've been seeing, like at least on like YouTube and stuff. But I love that because I feel like well, sometimes I'll listen to general read and it's like Taurus. I'm not a Taurus at all. And I'm like, this, this is for me. So it's, <laughs> I think you can get, you know, messages from anything. Yes. I'll get very accurate readings from TikTok random videos that come on my page same but I love like being able to yes say okay let me listen to this part about my sign and see really how that is not even like what to look out for in this like negative way like watch out but like be able to then yeah reflect on how it actually showed up totally yep I think it just it just helps you to to be able to flow with it rather than to fight against it. That's really all it is, you know? Yeah. Do you do that for yourself at the beginning of the month? I do it on the new and the full moon. So that's how I, yeah, that's, that's the way I go. And then I pull a card for myself every single day. Um, It's just part of my routine, but I will do a more in-depth kind of a spread every two weeks. So with the moon, with the moon seasons. What was your card today? Oh my gosh, my cards today. So I actually pulled them from my own deck. So I am working on a deck and it's called the inner compass Oracle. I'm hoping to have it out this fall. Um, I'm still kind of in the the playing around stages, but I'm, I'm using the energy. So I was showing grace before we started recording that I have them like written down on index cards. <laughs> like this yeah. is literally where we're at, but the thing is that it doesn't matter what they're printed on. The energetics are there. So it's actually kind of intense what I pulled today. I pulled the tsunami card for myself. Mm. The tsunami card is about, it's kind of like if you're, if you are familiar with tarot, it's kind of the tower card. So it's like massive overhaul, massive change. If you think about what a tsunami does, it just comes in and crashes and pure devastation. And just you're rebuilding from the ashes. It's, it's also the Phoenix card. Um, So total massive changes. And then also the element though of community, like when natural disasters happen, we, we huddle up with our community. People come in to take care of one another. And we were kind of reminded of the goodness of humanity when natural disasters happen. Um, And then I also pulled the Pluto card for myself, which if you're familiar with Pluto, it's death, rebirth, transformation. So some pretty intense cards came up today (laughs) for me (laughs) that feels it feels good though like once we can move through some of the stressful elements it's like the possibility is open like 
when things fall apart, we have all these new options. So sometimes it can be a good thing. It's actually hope, I think, disguised as pain. You know what I mean? I totally agree with you. So yeah, those were my... (laughs) I feel like it's very much in the collective right now, too. Yes. I'm doing like a meditation series all around rebirth. And that was, and I always kind of do them depending on like what kind of the vibes are right now. And I feel like that is really happening. I mean, we can look at just politics and the environment alone to know that is (laughs) happening. But on an individual level, I feel like that is a, a positive thing because there is yeah hope possibility and that's what we have to hold on to <laughs> exactly you're exactly right I totally agree do you guys want well, me to pull will you a card? pull a card for us so yeah you're you have your own deck it's gonna come out pretty soonish Hopefully, who's yes. the artist that you um you've been working with the artist to create the the imagery yeah, I have. Her name is Jennifer Burge. She is based in Asheville, North Carolina. So she's only like an hour and a half from me, which is really funny because um, oh, cool. I didn't find her based on proximity. Um, she was recommended by some other people. And um, her website is coralantler.com. And you can find her as Coral Antler on Instagram as well. And there's a couple oh, I like that name. of my cards on her page. So you can kind of go and figure out which ones they are. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, just to, to give you a little insight as to how this deck works, it's called the Inner Compass Oracle. It's about teaching us how to use our intuition in, in the world. So because it's a compass, the deck is divided into four parts. So there, there's the east, the south, the west, and the north. And each one kind of has a theme. So mm-hmm. the, all of the east cards are about connecting to our divine self. All of the south cards are about shadow work and challenges. Um, all of the west cards are about kind of incorporating and um, integrating both those sides of ourself, the shadow and the divine. And then when you move to the north, it's about taking action and intuitive informed decisions to evolve and change. And then you circle right back around and we continue learning as we go through this cycle on the, the compass. So there's 12 cards in each direction. So so that means there's 12 times four. <laughs> Yeah, there's 48 Seven, cards. 48. <laughs> yeah. I'm really bad at math. <laughs> we so did you create the kind of the names before you kind of tuned into the energy or did you kind of create the energy of the cards and then you decided to put names to them? Um, it depends, but I did both. Um, so like in the beginning, I kind of brainstormed the messages that I wanted to give. And then I would kind of work backward and be like, so because it's a compass, everything in the deck is something that you would like find in nature or would experience kind of outside. Um, And well, sort of, some of it is like some visualizational kind of stuff that I've, I've just seen too. But um, you know, for example, like you just saw tsunami and Pluto. So those are both outside elements and what we take from those things to navigate our journey here on earth. Um, and other times it was like, I just knew I had to have like Pluto, for example, I just knew that I had to have the planet Pluto involved because of what it represents. So it's like some cards came to me in one way and some came in another way. Um, I love that. 
been a process. <laughs> so yeah, Dana's going to pull a card for us, whoever's listening, just a little general message. Yeah. So, okay. So two cards came out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you can take one or the other of these cards or both, whatever kind of um, speaks to you. So divine team just jump, jumped out and threw, fell on the floor. So our divine team is all of the beings that are kind of on the other side that are helping us. So this card is a call to connect to your divine team even more than you already are. So your angels, your guides, ancestors, loved ones, ascended masters, deities, gods, goddesses, whatever is calling to you, they want to work with you. They want to help you more. And so this is coming up to just ask you like tune into them more, get into meditation more. Also look for them just in your day-to-day life more. Look for some of those angel numbers. Look for some of those signs. Be willing to, to see a message in a TV show that you're watching. You know, it doesn't have to be this big, like, oh, I've got to sit down and connect to my divine team. It's like, they're here with you. They're here with you all the time. They're in your day-to-day life. You just have to be willing to see them. And then um, the Nautilus card came up. So the Nautilus mm. is one of the oldest beings on our planet. And the Nautilus grows in a spiral shape. So you've seen, you know, the Nautilus shell and um, what this card, this is actually one of my favorite cards. It's one of the first ones I wrote. Um, It's about releasing and letting go. So each time the Nautilus grows and expands, it completely closes off the chamber prior. And you can see that there's like distinct chambers as you go around on this Nautilus. So it's about letting go of what doesn't serve you starting fresh, moving on. And, and also understanding though, that we, we grow and evolve in a spiral shape. So what happens when you go through a spiral, spiral, you're going to come back around and hit some things that you thought you already conquered, that you already handled. And they're coming back up for you to take them to the next level. So it's not that you haven't healed or learned or grown because you close off that chamber behind you. It's just that you're ready for the next level. You're ready for the next expansion of that and understanding like there's nothing wrong with you. It's not like you're not healing or growing. It's just continuing to come back up to bring you to the next level. So those are the the two cards. Thank you. They're really interesting, like creatures. So I'm excited that you pulled that card. Yay. I actually, I don't have the artwork yet for divine team. She's still working on that, but I do have the artwork for Nautilus. So I'm happy to share that with you, Grace. I want to see it. (laughs) Yeah. We can (laughs) share it with the listeners too, if that feels right. So, yeah. So, and you're creating like a little booklet that would go with it with the deck. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm writing out the descriptions of each, and then there'll be some spreads in there and, and how to work with the cards. So that's amazing. I love it. I'm excited for you. Thank you. I'm working on my deck too, but it's a slow process. Uh, this has been years in the making for me too. So I, I get it. <laughs> I love, I love your artwork. I've seen some of it that you're doing for your cards. And I think it's really beautiful. Are you working on a guidebook too? Yeah, it's so mine is going to be double-sided. So one side is going to be like color imagery and it's more just like light language, like healing, not like a specific um image like a face or whatever just kind of colors mm-hmm. shapes symbols yeah. and things like that energy mm-hmm. energy exactly um I call them psychic paintings okay. but 
the other side's going to have is going to be black and white and it's going to have um, like words that are connected to the cards. So once I make that, I'm going to do the I'm still working on the black and white side and then I'm going to be kind of just channeling the messages that are connected to them. Some of them I've already told me, okay, I'm this one. This is the name that's going to be connected to it. And some of them I'm still kind of like thinking about, but um, it's going to be 44 cards. So I'm excited. Well, it's technically 88 because they're double-sided, but. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a lot of artwork, but I'm really excited about it. And we were talking on Instagram about just the process in itself is kind of hard to find how, how you want to publish it and like who you want to publish it through or self-publishing or, you know, self-funding. There's so much that goes into that next step. So for everyone out there who wants to make their own Oracle deck, you can, it just takes a while. (laughs) Amen. Well, is there anything else you want to share with us before we close out? I just want to thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun, like just getting to chat about things that I love. And I'm just really grateful that you asked me to come on here. And I'm excited that you let me share my deck. I'm really just kind of starting to really talk about it. People know that it's that I'm working on it, but I'm really not. I haven't shared much of the particulars until now. So it's it's a vulnerable thing for me to launch this out into the world. And I am just grateful for you to give me that space to do that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. Um, Well, I, I think I have a few more questions, just fun little questions, and then we'll close out. But do you have any, like, besides doing the Oracle pulls for yourself, like, or tarot as well, but card pulls for yourself, do you have any other kind of like rituals or like habits that you do every day to kind of like refresh your energy, tune in, feel good? Yeah. Um, I think at least for me, what I've found is that if I can move my body at some point during the day, then I'm able to be more still and hear the messages. If I've got a lot of energy, like swirling in my body, it doesn't work for me to sit down and, and meditate or, or get quiet and still. So movement is something that's really important. It doesn't have to be huge, but I try to try to do that as much as I can. And then, um, meditation and journaling, um, journaling is just so important for me. I love to do that in conjunction with my cards. So I'll pull a card And then it just helps me to reflect on, you know, what's kind of what's going on for me right now and how I'm feeling. And I think writing that down also helps to get that out of my brain so that I, again, can find that stillness. So for me, it's about like taking care of that monkey mind, that human side (laughs) and getting that stuff out of my head and taking care of my physical body so that I can then step into that kind of divine part of myself. So yeah, I would say meditation, journaling, some form of exercise and card pulling are the full four things that I try to do every day. So when you do a reading, like, and set up to record, do you kind of just like do a little meditation before? Yep. I always just kind of close my eyes and get still. And I, I do actually record this in the reading, but I always protect the space and set the intention and offer up gratitude. And I include that in the recording because I want the clients to hear that and to know that they are protected and in a safe space as well. So 
you know, I'll shuffle the cards really well before I start recording too, because that's often loud, like on a recording, but shuffling cards is really important too, because it moves that energy. And then, yeah, I protect that space and kind of take some deep breaths and, and do a little quick prayer, um, with the client too. Do they have, like, do your clients give you any like info, like their name, full name? Like, do you need any of that kind of stuff or you just kind of go with the vibes? I definitely don't need it. Um, I do see their name from the order through my like website. The email, yeah. Yeah, from that, but I really don't need it and I don't focus on it at all. It's more of just their energetics, you know, that I'm tapping into. Amazing. Yeah. Because you do also, you'll go live and do little readings on Instagram for people. So I'll put, again, I'll put all your info in the show notes. So if people want to follow you, maybe they'll get to join one of the lives. Um, I would love that, but it's fun because it's like, you can tune into anyone. It's like, maybe their, their username is like, lovely one two three five and you can still like (laughs) get that energy you don't need to have all the the information um for it to be accurate which I think is really powerful for skeptical people to see okay this was really helpful for me I've never met this person they don't know me they don't know anything about me they don't even know what I look like and I still got this like very valuable information Totally. I love skeptics. They're actually my favorite. Like I was pulling tarot cards at a friend's house a couple of weeks ago and her husband walked in and he was like, uh, you guys doing the devil's work. And I was like, not really, but I was like, do you want a card? And like, she convinced him to let me pull one. And I pulled the world and the world is like a card of up leveling and ready for the next level. And like, you're moving on, you know, this is, there's like a celebration and a completion and then something new is coming. And like literally a couple of days later, he got a new job offer. And he was like, okay, your, your witchy stuff is there's something to it. And I was like, you, these are my people, man. I want to bring you in. (laughs) You know, I love it. (laughs) I love that. And I think like, you know, it's, it's never wanting to like prove that we are more powerful than anyone else because everyone can do this, but it's like being able to see and trust that a tool like a card deck that anyone could touch it and still get a good accurate read it when you first start you might not know what the cards mean until you read the little booklet yeah but (laughs) it's fine once you read the booklet you'll see oh okay that makes sense (laughs) yeah it's about like I just want to bring people like closer to a higher power I just want people to understand and to feel that there's more going on than meets the eye that that's all I want like you said it's not about us it's not about like proving that I'm an amazing card reader it's I could care less what you think of me I want you to have an experience where you're like holy shit there's so much more to this life than what I see you know and I just think that's so powerful so that that's what I want for everybody beautiful me too yeah well, thank you so much. It was so nice to talk with you. Again, we're going to put all Dana's info in the show notes and then um, be on the lookout for her card deck, check out her website, all the things, and then we'll see y'all next week. Thanks, Bye-bye. Grace. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to the Angel Face Magic Hour. To support the show, you can donate to us through the link in our show notes. Please 
give us a rating and a review, a little five-star magic on Apple and Spotify. This allows our voice to be shared to the greater public. I love you guys so much. I will see you next week. Follow us on Instagram at angelfaith and dot grace. See you next week.